0: Hello and welcome to my podcast. My name is Shayden, and this is a recording of our Bible study at Hope Collective Church that meets every Wednesday at 6.30 in the evening. If you are in between ages 18 to 40 years old, you are welcome to join. But for now, please enjoy this week's episode. Blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. First question here is what is mercy? Forgiveness and to withhold punishment. That is mercy. So we're gonna talk about this story, when actually King Saul takes a poop, okay? (laughs) Literally, when he, he takes a poop. Why is that important? It's actually really important that he takes a poop. Because at this point, David was not king yet, it was King Saul. And if you know anything about this, David was already kind of anointed to be king, okay? And he's kind of waiting to be enthroned. He'd done a lot of good things in that time, where King Saul got really jealous. The community were saying things like, oh, yeah, King Saul, you know, he killed like, you know, a few people. But David, he's killed thousands and thousands, He slayed thousands of people. Yeah, yeah, King Saul is good, but David is the real guy, the real deal. King Saul was jealous and was in pursuit to kill David for years. Let's fast forward now to when King Saul takes a poop. David was hiding in the cave, hiding in the cave from King Saul with his men. And here comes King Saul to relieve himself in the cave. You're not at a more vulnerable position than that, right? In that moment, David had every opportunity to kill this man that was pursuing to kill him. David was there with all his men and even his men told David, Hey, hey, look at this, look at this. God is actually sending Saul in here so that you can kill him. This is a sign from God. And this story is a beautiful story of mercy. He showed mercy to the one that was chasing him to kill him. Not just a couple weeks or a couple months, but several years. Maybe ten years. Imagine running away from someone that wanted to kill you for several years you uproot your life, your family, your job and you're on the run every night you don't know what the next day is going to look like you have an army of maybe a hundred men but he has an army of tens of thousands of men that is fear over and over and over and over and now you have the moment to get rid of all of that and David goes up to Saul snips his robe with a knife, a weapon that could have been used to kill him, he uses a knife for a sign of mercy. Later on, Saul goes outside, and David goes out with the, with the cut piece of robe and says, Look, I had every opportunity to kill you, and I did not. Stop with this foolishness that I want to try and kill you or take your throne. I'm not here for that. David showed mercy to the very man that was out to kill him. That's a very beautiful story of mercy, and that's in the Old Testament. And if you have read the Old Testament of wars and, you could say, genocide, and crazy, just crazy wiping out of entire tribes and villages, all in the name of God, you can ask the question, wait a second, is is God really merciful? Because if God was merciful, then why all this violence in the Old Testament? But now let's, talk, let's look at Jesus now. Because whenever we want to know anything about God, we can look at Jesus. Because Jesus is the exact image of who God is. The most famous Bible verse ever is John 3.16. Right? For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. Because, he's a, because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And people love the darkness rather than the light because of their works were evil. So we can look at this verse. And you know we can blame God for his violence in the Old Testament. But this verse right here that is describing his love, God's love. He's going, no, 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 I'm not here to, to instill violence or to condemn anyone. I'm here to save. Is God a God of violence? Maybe towards evil, but He is a God of love towards us. The Old Testament goes, we are so desperate for a Savior. Remember the first beatitude, poor in spirit. I am so desperate for a Savior. I am poor, I am lost. The first beatitude is like an echo of the entirety of the Old Testament. I cannot do this on my own. I need help. So let's look at Jesus. John chapter eight. This is a very violent story. This woman was caught in adultery. She was ripped out of her, that house, butt naked. These guys had stones in their hands to kill this woman. That is violent. This right here is like Old Testament stuff. And they questioned Jesus. Jesus, this is what the law says. The law says violence. There must be violence. There must be death. Jesus, let's do violence. Because that's what God is about. These guys, they're not like some thug on the street. These are like religious leaders in the church that are holding up the Bible basically and saying, this is what our God is saying to do. What do you say we do? And Jesus doesn't even bite that bait. He's like, no, 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 no. This is not what I am about. This is not what the Father is about. I am not here to play this game anymore. This game of violence. I'm here for mercy. I am mercy. You who have never sinned, throw the stone. And one by one, they drop those big stones that was meant for violence. Jesus had mercy over this woman. In those days, she deserved death, a violent death. Let's not forget what he says. Woman, where are the people that are condemning you? Is there anyone here that condemns you? She looks around. She sees a pile of stones on the floor that was meant for violence. But she sees nobody. She goes, I don't, there's no one here. And Jesus goes, neither do I condemn you. She sees nothing but mercy. Go now and leave your life of sin. Often, we do not show mercy. As Christians, we want to hold on to those stones and stone the first sinner that walks into the church doors. Oh, you're that drunk. Oh, you're that, that person that got a divorce. Or oh, you're that person that smokes weed. Oh, you're, that, you're, that, you're this, you're that. For some reason, we think we are upholding the law like how the, those Pharisees did. And, he, and, and that's not the story that Jesus came to deliver. And you might think, well, if if God was so merciful, then why did he kill his own son? That is not a merciful father. You call him a good father, but what good father kills his own son? A very valid argument, because I would say, you're right. If you found a father that killed his son, and then you called him a good father, you'd be a psycho. Uh, The problem about that argument is that this son, Jesus, laid down his own life to be killed. He decided, I'm going to go down there. And I'm going to fix this. I'm going to be the one that will do the sacrifice. I know how much you love your children. I will lay down my life to be that sacrifice so that you can have what you want, which is your children, to come home. That is a story of mercy. The parable of the unforgiving servant. And this is found in Matthew chapter 18. So basically there was a servant who owed a bunch of money. He owed, it said, 10,000 talents which is, was equivalent to several millions of dollars today. Theologians say it would take 160,000 years for one of us to, to pay off that debt. But the servant was like, oh my gosh, like, I'm so sorry, I, I, I can't pay this. And the master had mercy over the servant and said, fine, I'll forgive you that debt. I'll forgive it, you're good, you're free to go. Then that servant, that same servant, and someone owed him 100 days wage wasn't that small, but it was significantly smaller than 160,000 years of work. (laughs) This servant now, after being freed, started to punish that man for owing him dimes and nickels. He was showing no mercy. And when the master found out, he was pissed. That guy was locked up and thrown away because he did not show mercy. He was shown mercy for something that was unforgivable. And he did not show mercy to someone else for something that was forgivable. Therefore he was thrown away. Okay now we're going to get into some challenging stuff here. Because in James chapter 2 verse 13 says this. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. You could, you could flip that around. And you could say something like. Cursed are those who are not merciful because they will not be shown mercy blessed are those who are merciful for they will be shown mercy it's a blessing but at the same time it can actually be looked at as a curse because if you don't show mercy you will not be shown mercy who are we to hold grudges and condemnation to other people when our offense to God is hundred sixty thousand million times worse we offend someone who is holy who has never sinned, who is righteous, who is the creator of the universe. We offend that person. Yeah, we we see people who are evil. Hitler is pretty evil. That group, let's just say both of those groups in the Middle East are killing each other. That's really evil. And we have some pretty evil people in this, this day and age right now. And we can look at them and say, those guys are so evil they deserve hell. Who are you talking to? You're talking to each other. Try and say something like that to God. How dare you? Because if that's the case, then you're going to go along with them. Because you're no safer than they are. Because we need to remember, we have an audience of one. At the end of the day, your righteous acts that you make along, amongst your friends, amongst your church, that will not save you. The person that we must please <laughs> is the one that sees all. Therefore, if he says something like, if you want to be shown mercy from me, then you better show mercy. If he says that, then we better obey. Otherwise, there's something waiting for us at the end. And that is very scary. Let's look at these two. Judas and Peter. For three years, Jesus slept next to these guys. Ate with these guys. washed their feet. Jesus was constantly loving them, caring about them. And in his mind, he's going, Judas, you're going to betray me one day. And I'm going to have the most gnarliest violent death. But here's a piece of bread. Peter, you're going to deny my existence. But I'm going to get on my knees and I'm going to wash your feet. The love that Jesus has for these people are unconditional. Which means they don't deserve his love. They did not deserve to be a follower of the king. If they were going to betray him. But Jesus had mercy for them. A lot of times we think, yeah, we're going to be good. I'm going to be good with God once I'm like this, or like that, or once I stop doing this, or stop doing that. Once I read more scripture, once I go to church more, then God's going to love me more. Then he's going to have more mercy for me. No, 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 no. That's, that's not how it works. If that is true, then none of these disciples should have been disciples. Think about it. Jesus picked a bunch of ragtag idiots, to be honest. Matthew, a tax collector, which is like the most evil person back in those days, that would have been like a rapist. Like, the way that we look at rapists today with disgust, that same disgust is what people looked at tax collectors in those days. Because what the tax collectors did was, they took money from the Jews to give to the Romans, so the Romans could persecute the Jews. Give me money so that I can pay the guys who persecute you. And then I'm also going to take some in my pocket. Jesus decides to choose that person. Jesus decides to choose people who were fishermen. When you're a fisherman, that means you're good for nothing. You're doing a family trade, which meant that you were not good enough to be following a rabbi. Jesus chose those guys. He had a lot of mercy, a lot of love for these guys that were not qualified. You think you're not qualified right now because you did this, you did that sin, you're not good enough, you're not educated, you don't come from a good family, you have no money in your account, you keep screwing up over and over and over and over. Well, welcome to the club. Welcome to the club. Jesus says, follow me. Why? Because I've chosen you. That's mercy. If Jesus chooses us like that, our challenge now is to see other people in that same light. Because I know all of us here, we know people who are like Matthew, the tax collector, where we look at that person and we go, that person is disgusting. I can't believe he did that or she did that. Oh, that person, that person is poor. Oh, that person is a drug addict. Oh, that person keeps falling and keeps falling and keeps falling. Yeah, that that person's a waste of time. Really? Be careful, because Jesus showed you mercy. You better show that person mercy. Because if you don't show that person mercy, whoo is right. There's something coming. We choose to love people not because they deserve it, but because we have been loved by the one when we don't deserve it. And the only thing we can do if you are truly loved by that Father up in heaven, the only thing that you can do is therefore love other people in that same way. That is a manifestation of you being loved by the Father. So Jesus goes even further. It's like just a little a ways later of the sermon. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Do not repay anyone evil for good. This is a different verse, by the way, that's Romans. Basically, Jesus is saying... Don't just just have mercy for people that you don't like, that don't deserve your love. Have mercy for people who actually want to harm you. Jesus is taking a whole nother step and going, there's a lot more to it. And if you read this, it connects with the first story I just talked about. David in the cave, David already understood this. Which is, I believe, why David is a man after God's own heart. David was so, such ahead of his time with worship and with obedience. He did not repay evil for evil, even though in that day... Here's the challenging part, as if this wasn't challenging already. <laughs> we have people that we know that hate us. People that despise us. In our workspaces, online. Maybe we have burnt bridges and we deserve that. But we might have some people right now we're thinking about that we just... I don't ever want to be in the same room with that person. This is a very dangerous game that we're playing. We're not showing mercy to someone that we might consider our enemy. When here, it's clearly written that you are to love them, that you are to pray for them. How are you doing with gossip? When you hear something that someone says about someone that you don't like, don't you get excited and go, yes, that person's going down, oh good. Oh, good, his car got repoed. Good. (laughs) Right? The challenge for this week. Can you pray for someone who hates you? Can you pray for that person that you vowed to never forgive? Because he did something unforgivable to you. If you never forgive that person, you may never be forgiven. How does it start? It can start with just praying for that person. Thank you for listening to this week's Bible study at Hope Collective Church. Feel free to join us next Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. if you are in between ages 18 to 40, or join our Sunday morning service at 8 or 9.30. See you next time.